Kicks in Comics is brought to you by the Bingham Group Media Network, an Austin-based digital content network focused on emerging creators. We help you tell your story. Looking for other Capital City content from the BG Media Network? Check out the BG Podcast, bringing you weekly conversations at the intersection of business, policy, and community. Hosted by Bingham Group CEO AJ Bingham, the BG Podcast introduces you to the people shaping the Austin metro and beyond. Good beach lovers, it's the 82nd Astronaut bringing you a special spooky season episode of Kicks and Comics. We're not all superheroes, wear capes, somewhere are Jordans. And what makes uh, today's episode spooky and special is I have author Casey Jones to talk about his book, Black Tide. Uh, Mr. Jones, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you so much for having me. It is the, definitely the perfect time of year for it. I know. Like, uh, we are, what, uh, six days away from, like, Halloween? Uh, yeah. One of my favorite times of year. What, like, uh, kind of spooky season Halloween traditions do you have? Uh, you know, the the big one, of course, I think a lot of people have is Spooky Movie Month. You know, I, I try to, to bank them throughout the year. So come October, we can just binge as many new New movies and TV shows, of course, the new Mike Flanagan as as uh, as we can each year. Mm-hmm. Um, I have kind of a quirky one. When I was a kid, at some point, I got a hold of all these little rubber pumpkin men. I guess I call them. They're huh. just like little, little jack o' lanterns, and they stand mm-hmm. up and and wave. And I hide them around the house every year. There's about twenty of them, and mm-hmm. and then my wife gets to find them. And I, it, we don't live in a really big place. So this year I, I kind of really had to dig in to find some new and creative places to hide them. But uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Now, is it like a, a point system where she needs to find all of them? Or is it just like, a, oh, hey, like there's one in the coffee grounds. It's really kind of just her own competitive nature. It's like I need to find them. I don't mm-hmm. even I don't even like announce it to kick it off. I'll hide one that I think is kind of obvious. And it's like yeah. when she finds that one, then she knows, oh, they're out there. That's right. It's October. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, speaking of uh spooky movie month, uh I have to ask you like your top let's say because I'll I'll never say top I never ask anybody their favorite film because I grew up on a ton of film and for me to like say which is my favorite one is like asking me which is my favorite kid. I, I, I love them all for different reasons. Um, but what are your, let's say top three to five uh, horror films or just like this time of year films? Well, uh, one that I kind of uh, insist on watching every year is Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Uh, mm. I just, I just, I just love the vibe of that. It's just got such a quintessential, like, autumn feel to it mm-hmm. uh, e- even though i've kind of got the whole movie memorized and i have the the score on on cd from way back in the day yeah um, yeah. yeah it's just it's just like a go-to it's just like yes this is autumn and we're mm-hmm. gonna go watch a pumpkin guy murder people 
Um, Christopher Walken, which when oh my he gosh. appears, <laughs> hello, like you're like, yeah. oh wow, oh we laugh every time and we know he's going to come. It's just so unexpected, and boy, mm-hmm. he he just absolutely gives that role his all. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, Doc Doctor Sleep. Um, oh yes, I mean, not only is it just just impeccably made and and well acted and, mm-hmm. and creepy, the way he was able to reconcile the ending of the book and 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 stanley kubrick's film in that Mm -hmm. i just that absolutely blew me away i just i love it i i I really love love that when i have the director's cut which probably is is maybe slightly too long i see why the theatrical cut exists but i Mm -hmm. went i went all out and that's i wouldn't say it's every year but that's definitely one i return to yeah i really i think that was that's a that was an underrated sleeper like i read the book and I enjoyed it. And then I was like, oh, when they, I think I read it in, in preparation for the film and the film itself, like some, uh, like scenes, like when she's, I, I forgot who's floating above the earth. It just, it, it grounds, there's a, like a visceral ground, like reality to it, but then it brings it to that, you know, uh, different, I, I would say dimension, speaking of your book, mm-hmm. like Tide, and, um, just takes you out of it. It's, I think it's totally underrated and just people need to revisit it. Yeah. I think you're thinking of the scene where it's Rose, the hat and, um, yeah, Abra, yes. Abra mm-hmm. are, are kind of doing their, their mind combat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year we, and it's not, it wasn't a this year released, I don't think, but it was, um, talk to me where oh, the kids yeah. have this disembodied hand. Have you mm-hmm. seen that? No, I have not, because honestly, it gives me like the heebie-jeebies, and I don't think I'm ready to see that one just yet. Did you? Yes, that was that was how we kicked off Spooky Season Month, and and that one kind of knocked me on the floor. It was just completely unexpected. I was kind of I was kind of not really prepared for it to be as as dark and serious as it got. Okay, <laughs> so so I loved it for that, and it just, mm-hmm. just again really well made, really well acted. Okay. So yeah, those are probably my my current top three. I I, I have such a hard time picking. There's so many. There's so many on my list. It's like, oh yeah, that and that and that. Yeah, no, I I get it. Like, uh, I always start mine out with a movie that brought me into horror. Um, I was I'm like was the biggest chicken, you know, growing up, and I worked at a blockbuster. One of the stories I always tell people is that when it came time to close the store and restock everything, I would refuse to do a horror section because I was like, I don't want to even look at the box box art. Um, and over time, you know, I, I kind of was warming up to it. And then it was uh, 2004's Shaun of the Dead, which the trailer just, you know, had me laughing. I was like, oh, it's just like that uh, sugar with the medicine. You know, it, the, the mm-hmm. comedy makes the horror palatable for me and then after that movie it just opened a gate to zombie genre the zombie genre which is still uh, it's my favorite it's been a you know bad pun but done to death but um um i still enjoy it and uh yeah i always start out Shaun of the dead i started out thing october 1st and then just whatever's on like uh last week i watched the omega man with uh charlton oh, heston okay. yeah which is just a funky <laughs> movie like i cannot say it's like funky weird but then also that funky like jive turkey kind of movie oh I, I feel like the farther back you go this the 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 more out there they they can get for sure mm-hmm. 
it's 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 the funny thing about zombies i do feel like it's kind of like almost a, a comfort genre which seems a really mm-hmm. weird descriptor for zombies but but yeah i um wasn't shauna that it was dawn of the dead for me mm-hmm. um i i didn't really get into zombies when i was a kid so i i kind of just glazed over um night of the living dead and all those so dawn of the dead was kind of my, my first in your face here's here's the the experience it's like oh mm-hmm. yeah that's a lot of fun horrifying yeah. but also a lot of fun and just that very special way that they have now you're talking about romero's dawn right not yeah. um yep. okay uh what is it Zack snyder oh no 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 I'm, i apologize it was it was Zack snyder's um that i saw first actually oh, and, then okay. kind of, and then kind of had to rewind because like i said i don't know i just i i had a really hard time as well when i was a kid i was also terrified of everything mm-hmm. and it was kind of horror books that that opened that gate for me it was goosebumps and then stephen king and then i was like okay okay this isn't so bad i'm in this now and then kind of over the years i've like yeah i've got a lot to catch up on yeah i'm glad you brought up goosebumps because yeah it's those those books i did read a lot growing up and what were the other series um was it scary fear street there's that one but uh scary stories or something like that oh yeah scary stories to tell in the dark yes oh those covers were yes they were terrifying (laughs) yeah like i still i can picture right now the scarecrow one you're like Mm -hmm. who what mental patient drew this (laughs) oh but we're gonna sell it at a scholastic book fair next to the lamborghini posters oh gosh right those fairs that's that's where i stocked up on goosebumps I jumped into Fear Street a bit too soon. I have a very vivid memory of going on vacation and reading that. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready for this. And I mm-hmm. wasn't. I was not ready for that. <laughs> What's, well, um, you know, speaking of uh, just those kind of that era of horror, just like uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, that beginning, um, just all those shows uh, and books. Did that kind of inform your writing or what? Obviously, uh, we'll get into your book, but I want to get some of your influences um if uh i guess what got you into writing or how that all began with kind of the the culmination at least for this conversation of black tide well when i think back on it i i usually i usually pinpoint reading the shining as Mm. as what really got me into both reading horror and then writing it because like i said i i just had a lot of a lot of irrational fears as a kid. I know, I know most most people do, but it was it was my big thing growing up. Mm-hmm. And one day, my mom told me that my dad had read The Shining, and it scared him so bad that he couldn't go to sleep. And mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, my dad doesn't get scared by stuff. So, and for whatever reason, I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna see what this is all about. I'm gonna see what scared him. Mm-hmm. And I just was absolutely enraptured by that book. I I, I loved it. I read it. A dozen times and this is um i think i was in middle school at the time and i was like i want this power this is you, you put these words on on the page and tell this story and then it has such a profound impact on people and so i started just dabbling in short stories tried to write a novel i think ninth grade it was obviously an undertaking that mm-hmm. was well beyond me at the time so i got discouraged <laughs> put it away and kind of my, my path took me into film in mm-hmm. in high school and screenwriting and the reason I was drawn to screenwriting is because it's so uh, it, it's so instructional. You know, when when you when you're when you're writing them, you don't really have to worry about the quality of your prose so much. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, I have this picture in my head, and I'm gonna I'm gonna write out how 
you know, write out the instructions for everybody involved to make that picture happen. And the real creative part is in dialogue, which I just have kind of always gravitated towards. I, I find it fun and just the easier thing to write. Mm-hmm. So that's just, that was sort of, that just took me away from novels and into um, doing movies. And Black Tide started as an original screenplay. Um, my wife and I were vacationing on the Oregon coast. It was in the off season. This probably all sounds familiar if you've read the book, mm-hmm. everybody listening. Um, and we were watching the sunset. It's time to go. And I could not find my truck keys. And yeah, we searched. We, we're, we're parked down on the beach. And a lot of people don't know this, but um, Oregon treats its beaches like highways. And you, during non-tour seasons, you're just kind of free to drive down there. And so that's mm-hmm. why, we were, why we were parked down there. Um, we looked everywhere, couldn't find them. Sun's going down. This is the early aughts. We had no cell phone reception. We hardly had cell phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, water was coming in. I had a spare set, unlike the characters in my book, but we were on our way back to our hotel. And I was just thinking, wow, what if I hadn't had those? And we'd been stuck down there mm-hmm. and it got dark and the tide came in. And because naturally I'm, you know, all in the horror at this point, what if creatures started showing up? Mm-hmm. I kind of had just the skeleton of this story in my head by the time I got back to our room tried to write it as a screenplay again it was just sort of beyond me at the time um that original script was just the one character locked in their vehicle um so this is this is hard to write a one a a one person show like this so i shelved Mm -hmm. it for years and just dabbled with it it took several different shapes before finally turning into basically a very detailed outline for what would become the book Mm mm-hmm now, you said you started in the film and screenwriting. Was there any particular genre or like, has it always been horror? You know, you talking about you, uh, The Shining being uh, an inspiration and you trying to find the mastery of horror to elicit that kind of reaction into the reader, which I think is very difficult because, um, you know, I, I love film. Don't get me wrong. But film... Horror film in general, I, I feel like, you know, the jump scare, which I refer to as a dick joke of horror, that's <laughs> the easiest thing to elicit a response, right? Oh, absolutely. But with prose, you're, I've, it's just very hard. So, um, how did, like, again, was horror the genre that you started in or, you know, the, the film or story wise? Like, what, what was the genesis of that? It, it was the genre I started in. Um, the very first screenplay I wrote, I don't honestly remember much about it. It was it was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to try to do this thing that I've never tried before. And again, at, at that point, it was just scary things that I was gravitating towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Black Tide was my second. Af- after that, I, I wrote this crime thriller. I don't mm-hmm. know what compelled me to do it. But that came out and my represent my, my uh, representatives at the time flipped over it and just kind of tried to shoehorn me into the, the crime thriller genre as far as uh, screenplays go. Mm-hmm. It was sort of fun. It wasn't really my thing. I really liked the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could. I wish I knew exactly the genesis of that. I don't know why I find like haunted houses. Um, mm-hmm. Oddly, aliens don't really usually do it for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's just strange considering you know, black tide, but yeah, monsters, monsters in the woods, haunted houses. Mm -hmm. I just, I just really love them. And I just was aching to get back to that and put these, these bank robbery movies behind me. (laughs) Now, are you currently like, I I don't know if the strike is affecting you, but are you currently writing on projects or 
what's the, your day-to-day look like? Yeah, so I'm not doing uh, screenplays anymore at all. Uh, the novel Black Tide was kind of kind of a transition period for me. I just was I was in a really bad spot. I was frustrated. Nothing was working out, and so mm-hmm. I wrote that book. and And you can see a lot of that on the page, especially mm-hmm. in, in Mike's cynicism, right? Um, and so yeah, that was kind of the last screenplay that I did was the rewrite of Black Tide that that became the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my day to day is all I've got a, a a second book with Tor Nightfire um, that I'm deep in the edits on and that I'm really hoping we can announce soon. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm really excited for that one. And then just I have a I have kind of a backlog of screenplays that would make good books, which is which is handy to me because I'm a very slow writer. So to have just these already kind of pre outlined stories is great. Mm-hmm. Um, my agent has a handful of those that we've been sort of working on. Uh, more or less pitch decks for. So when mm-hmm. book number two is done, we've got a, a small stack of other things to throw at the wall. Now that the, for me, the, the process of being a writer is, is very intriguing. And if you would allow me this kind of like side street uh, expedition, because I'm an accountant by trade and, and by, you know, education, but I've always been interested in writing my biggest thing that I always tell people is like, I can get the first, you know, first and second acts of a story I can get down. It's the ending. That's for me hardest to land. What, what's your writing process? And, you know, first question, your writing process. And second question, like some kind of inspiring words or just something that you wish you were told as, as a young writer that you can pass along to aspiring writers. Well, my process is I don't start until I know the ending because <laughs> ah. I, I, I would have the same problem. I would get absolutely lost in the weeds in the mm-hmm. second act if I didn't have a destination in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, from that, I think probably the hardest part for me is starting off, um, knowing exactly where to begin the story to pull readers in without just smothering them and world building and set up and all this stuff that I'm just so eager to get to that I just cram it all in the first 15 pages. Uh, so I, I, I really have to work on pacing myself out and trying to just start with, you know, just a match light flame and then get it going. But yeah, I, act, act two, I think is everybody's kind of worst friend, so mm. to speak. <laughs> okay. Um, I've definitely gotten lost there plenty. Uh, the, the, the book I'm currently working on is is well behind schedule, and that's because I, I had a great beginning and I knew exactly where I wanted to end. And then getting the the two points together was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting lost here. Mm. So, and I guess as far as inspirational words go, I would say, don't let yourself get in the way of yourself. Mm. Don't overthink it. Um, if you've got that story, just get it out there on paper. Don't don't worry about having the entire thing built out and working beginning to end before you start because because you'll just never start um i've fallen into that trap so many times and back when i was first starting and i had so much energy i would just sit there and and write these things and like like i wrote a screenplay in two weeks which i know some 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 guys in the industry just that's just what they do and that's amazing i can't even imagine it but Mm -hmm. but back because I was just, I was unencumbered by all the stress and um, anxiety of how good is this? Or is this, is this going to sell? Does anybody even want to buy this? It was just get, just get that story out. 
Don't mm-hmm. worry about everything else once it's on the page and you can start rewriting and polishing and, and seeing its future from there. No, that that's fantastic in, like um, advice because for me, it's just like, oh, what will people think? That's and that to go to your part of like getting out of your own way. It's just when I first started this podcast, my uh, friend and I were just like, oh, let's just put it out there. It's punk rock. It's two guys in a mic. Let's just, <laughs> you know, we're, yep. you know, fuzzy audio, what have you. Um, but for writing, I don't know what it is, because for me, writing is a solo journey, you know, for me specifically. And I'm like, oh, what will people think? Or this is derivative or, you know a myriad of things oh yeah the derivative thing holds me back because you know like i like i mentioned earlier i i kind of got into the genre a bit later and so Mm -hmm. i will have oh this is such a great idea and i start writing it and then i I google it and it's like oh this has been written 45 times before (laughs) but you know everybody's experience is different everybody's voice is different and even Mm -hmm. if it's a a tired or or well-trod concept you're going to bring something new to it that's mm-hmm. not been seen or done before. Yeah. Do you feel that the transition for you from screenplay to um, no, like novels was difficult? Because when I'm writing, I, I'm like you, I love the screenplay because it's like, oh, you know, they're in a car, then they say this, then they're here. And it's just like, it's not, it's the least flowery dialogue or, or, or direction. Whereas when you're writing, I feel you have to like, describe the perspiration on the cup as he reached it and his throat ached for another drop of water you're like oh my gosh like just have him drink the water (laughs) i feel like screenwriting kind of helped me in that i think if i hadn't done screenplays Mm -hmm. i would be writing nothing but two hundred thousand word bricks full of unnecessary description i mean unnecessary (laughs) to me it's just advancing the story but but you really learn brevity when you're like, you've got to tell the story. It's going to be 110 pages or less. And mm-hmm. I want to see a lot of white space on that page. I don't want to see chunks of mm-hmm. description. So, so, so that kind of helped ease me into that kind of writing. I, people often describe black tide as being cinematic. And I think, Oh, definitely not, not just because it, it, it came from a script. And so it kind of just moves in that way. But, mm-hmm. but I, but it's just it's just kind of some of some of my screenwriting tricks I think I, I was able to employ to not to not just get bogged down in in the description that I'm personally uncomfortable writing anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that your your first like inspiration was, was King. You know, it's uh, The Shining, where it's you he your any book that you have of his is a brick. Yeah, and it's sometimes that. I don't know. I'm like, he, he must get paid by the word because he is like <laughs> putting it all in here. Um, but going, uh, finally, uh, sorry for that tangent, but going oh, into, okay. yeah, going into your book, Black Tide, I uh, found a, I found out about it during like, uh, I guess IG has these different, uh, I don't know what you would call them, like book influencers or whatever that were always recommending spookies, books suspenseful whatever and yours came up and one the first thing was uh post-apocalyptic um or not post-apocalyptic but kind of like apocalyptic thriller kind of thing and i was like i gotta check this out but i knew i was going on vacation uh to the texas coast um in june so i was like i'm gonna save this one for the when i'm actually at the beach and 
it's one of those things where I tell you, I didn't want to go to the beach at night. Thanks to your book. I love hearing that. I know that just sounds absolutely horrible, but I love hearing, I love hearing when people read it on the beach. It's like, Oh, that's perfect. That's, that's just what you want. Yeah. Cause it, it, um, you know, it's obviously the story of, uh, Mike and, you know, he's a melancholy, uh, film producer. Like you were describing, uh, how you felt at a certain time in your life with your work projects. And we've all been there at the, the beach, you know, someone has a fire or whatever. And, you know, he meets Beth and Beth is like kind of in the same, what am I doing with my life? I identified obviously with, um, you did a great job by the way. Like I cannot give you enough kudos on this book. Um, the, I felt that Mike and Beth could be the the two sides of the same coin because I've felt like Mike in my professional career. Like, you know, where am I? What am I doing? Where is this going? You know, am I in the right place? And then also as Beth, as I was younger, just like, hey, you know, where's life taking me right now? And I'm house sitting for this much, you know, much more su- successful family and you know, all this responsibility. So I, I really appreciate your characters. When you talk about cinematic uh, imagery, like I was there and I didn't have to try. So just fantastic job. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm, it means a lot to hear it. Um, so uh, obviously the, the, the book is um, them. Uh, what I enjoyed about... I'm trying to find the words as to not give away too much of the book because (laughs) when it gets into it, you're in for a ride. Um, But obviously I I guess you say they, they go to the, to the, like you mentioned before, they go to the, the uh, beach. Um, Well, no, it kind of starts the the day before with like the the evening before. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I liked about, your book is a lot of horror books like to explain what happened where we just like um uh like what we went through with the with the lockdown stuff like that you hear different things and you you're you're just thrown in it and i feel with black tide you were thrown in it you didn't quite know what was real you didn't know what really happened. Was is it aliens? Is it I I didn't I like the ambiguity of it. What was your process in in that aspect of the story? It it was actually really hard to not try to explain everything. Mm-hmm. I I took a lot of walks through this little uh kind of forest-filled wash park that we have near our house. Um, that's kind of where I go to just do to to do thinking mm-hmm. because I was like, okay, there's got to be science behind this and there's got to be physics and I've got this thing wrong and and I, I, this all needs to make sense. And and my friend who I met in college um, and we have kind of collaborated, collaborated at least creatively on just about everything. He was always there saying it doesn't matter. And mainly you've got these characters who, who don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there was an urge um, originally to, to, to be like, oh, well, maybe Mike's, you know, he's done studies in this or something so he can sit there and piece together what's happening. But it, it's kind of like it, what, what you were saying. It's just that that unknown is more frightening, I think, than anything. And if mm-hmm. if 
I were in their position, I'd probably be even worse off than Mike as far as what do I do? How do I survive this? And what exactly is going on? So I was like, okay, these, these two don't really know anything outside of not just their own experiences, but mine. So that's kind of how I was able to restrain myself and keep from trying to dig too far into explaining exactly what's going on, putting just enough in there that it doesn't bump you completely out of the story going none of this makes any sense. But yeah, that was, that was, that was sort of my process. Well, I also appreciated when you expanded out of the kind of like the location of the coast and you're just like, Oh, this is, you know, further out than, than the two care or let's say, can I, yeah, I don't want to give it away, but this is much, it's like, this is much bigger thing than just what's happening to them. And what I liked about it, and I hope you don't mind that I did this, but I felt that this was on the other side of um, the project Arrowhead, kind of the mist, like, cause oh, I yeah. felt that this could have definitely been, in the same, not saying it's the same monsters or the same premise, but I'm like, oh, this is, this could be in that universe. You know, speaking, mm-hmm. now that you say King is an inspiration, I saw some of that and it helped me enjoy the, the, your book, Black Tide, even more because I enjoyed the, you know, the, the novella, The Mist, and also the film. Um, do you see any parallels in that? I, I definitely, just the idea of there being adjacent worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, is something that I've always thought very um, compelling and creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there was the mist when I was growing up. Of course, we had uh, Half Life was released when I was uh, like a preteen, and so mm-hmm. so just that whole idea of we're going to do something and we're going to screw up so bad, we're going to we're going to rip a hole into somewhere else that we really don't want to be looking into. Mm-hmm. So I just I just think that's a spooky idea. Um, some of the original drafts of Black Tide did go down that road to where like, Oh, this was, this was, you know, some, some science experiment. And then that kind of fell into my other process where I was like, no, I, I just think things happen mm-hmm. and, and that can be much scarier. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the whole premise of the book is worlds colliding, not just, you know, it starts with, with Beth looking over a fence and, oh. and that brings these, the, their two realities into one and all of the mess that comes with that. And that's just kind of mirrored in how later that night, two other worlds come together and it's a much larger mess, like you said, but I didn't think I needed, I don't think I needed to say why. Yeah. I left it. No, like, Oh, thank you for that. Cause I'm like, yeah, it's about worlds colliding. It's a, the, wow. Like you just added, <laughs> I need to go reread this. Cause it's another layer that I didn't see. It's the Beth and Mike's world colliding. And then, yeah these two whatever are earth and um wherever this is is there in your mind an explanation to all this and you don't have to say like you don't have to say what it is but did you do you feel like oh yeah but i'm let this you know i'm let the reader kind of fill in that gap in my mind because i have always found the bottom of the ocean to be just the you know the apex of frightening but very real things. I was I was very inspired by oceanic, especially deep oceanic creatures for creating what they end up encountering in the mm-hmm. book. So in my mind, I was thinking, 
this other place is basically another earth that went through a completely different evolutionary uh geographical process over time mm-hmm. and and then that's just how what it looked like and you kind of i i, I hope you kind of see that throughout the book with the behavior of the creatures. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's they're like like frightened, you know. Like, like you get the whole adage of the spiders more scared of you than you are of it, and that's kind right. of what I wanted to model their behavior off of. They're just as confused and displaced as as Mike and Beth are. Mm-hmm. Um, the book triggers with a meteor shower, mm-hmm. and. I don't know why in my head there was something so catastrophic about that, that it pushed these two places together for just a moment, just long mm-hmm. enough to, to get everything kind of bleeding into each other. I think, yeah. I think that would be the cause. I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. It's like uh, the day of the Triffids. I think it kind of starts with, uh, have you read that book? I have not. I, I don't know. Yeah. Write it down. Yeah. Day of the Triffids. It's a oldie. It's what a lot of, um, I don't think it's uh, the beginning of the walking dead of, you know, I'd learned about it through the walking dead and 28 days later of how someone just wakes up and they're just in the middle of it. And I think day of the Triffids was where both of the, the authors to those books and screenplays said like they got their inspiration where it just, you know, it's a guy in a hospital bed. He wakes up and the world has gone to crap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think during the course of the book, it's, it's a it's a meteor shower or something that bring these. I think in, in that book, it's a, some kind of plant. They call it triffids or something to that. It's been a while since I read it, probably like 12 years. But um, yeah, it's it's that kind of like, oh, like you said, it, that created the, the it was the ensuing action to this. One thing that I liked about your book is the oscillating chapters between the the um, characters, and it gives you different point of view. Was that, you know, obviously you said doing a one-man screenplay story was hard, but when did you make the decision of like, oh, one chapter is going to be Mike, the other Beth, and maybe another chapter X or Y? Like, was that always the case? Um, I, I would say in the beginning it was, well, in the well, obviously in the very beginning, it was just Mike. It was just Mike mm-hmm. and his truck. Beth was there um, in the very first draft and she wandered off into the dunes to see, you know, if she could flag somebody down for help and she just never comes back. Mm. And I, you know, there's just so much character to her. Um, I, I, I enjoyed writing her more than I enjoyed writing Mike. So I, I brought her back as soon as I, I figured out kind of what the story was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the characters go, going back and forth, it was just an opportunity to see, you know, two different perspectives to sort of keep information from each other while, while still giving it to the reader. Um, I think that kind of creates some fun tension. You know, there's, there's moments where Mike leaves and does something and, we don't know what's going on with Beth and then mm-hmm. and vice versa. Um, I'm glad you liked it because getting the two to sort of have their own. I, I wanted those chapters to, you could tell when you read them who it is without mm-hmm. having a chapter title. And that was, mm-hmm. that was tough. That took a lot. That was a, and I should obviously be able to write distinct voices, but getting into their heads like that, just completely, that, that was fun. And it was a great challenge. 
Yeah, and I liked how um, a lot of it, it didn't fall into the tropes of like the damsel in distress or the bumbling, you know, male. Like they both were very fleshed out characters, both independent in their own thought, both very capable, but very um, at at a certain point realizing, hey, we need each other, and there's nothing wrong in that. So it was like. Like I said, the two sides of the same coin, there's like they're complementary to the point where I don't know if you read stories sometimes you're like, oh, they're this person is talking again or whatever. But I never felt that way, especially with, you know, Beth was a strong character in the beginning. You you could have gone like, oh, she's, you know, like doesn't know what to do with her life or whatever. But no, she's like very take charge. And to the at some points like overtaking Mike and Mike's kind of like unsure of himself, but it was a nice, you know, push and pull with these two characters. Well, it's like, she's, um, she's kind of, she's confident in her, in her disastrousness, if, if you will, like, like she's a mess, but she's very aware of that and knows yeah. that, okay, I'm, a, I'm also a survivor. I've, I've gotten through this stuff and mm-hmm. I trust mm-hmm. my, I trust my gut, but I like what you said. It's they, they end up meeting each other and that's, and that's sort of the whole point. That's the whole um, combining worlds again, because they've mm-hmm. both been in these deep, inescapable ruts for so long, going it alone. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's not, it's definitely not a sign of weakness. It's just cooperation and working together will get us out of this versus, versus button heads and doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. how I've always found, uh, it's kind of how I've always solved my own problems. Uh, my wife is just a, is, is an amazing supporter of this mm-hmm. and, and like you said, writing is a solo sport for the most part and for a lot of people. Um, but I need to be able to go downstairs at the end of the day and complain about all this and beat my head against the counter and have somebody there who's like, okay, I'm going to, uh, we're, we're going to talk this through and and find the way forward. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Like I feel uh, my wife is, has suffered through my, um, you know, dalliance is in, in pod podcastry. I don't even know if that's a word. I'm going to like trademark it. <laughs> it right now. Podcastry and my long suffering, struggling, frustrated writer where I'm like, Oh, like I just can't. She's like, just do it. Like every, what's funny is that everyone that I, that I talk to, I've, even as you know, my parents were supportive of things that I did. I've never had a negative voice say like, no, they're, they're waiting for it. Like, where, where is it? Like, have you written it? Have you done it? And it's like, yeah, it's, you need that in your life. You know, just like Mike needed Beth to get out of the situation, which now that you're kind of uh, going through the story, there's so many more layers that I need to rediscover through, because it could just be an allegory again for, uh, marital relationship for relationships in general, um, how we need to listen to each other. Just it's more than just a thriller, and I appreciate you illustrating that. And I think when yeah, people go read Black Tide, it's more than just what's on the page. It's kind of always been what I gravitate towards is the characters, and mm-hmm. I know that that you know there is a real art to to uh telling a high concept story and still having us care about who's in it Mm -hmm. uh one thing that 
just endlessly frustrated my manager when I was writing screenplays is I just wrote these little character driven genre pieces. And he's like, no, no, this needs to be, you know, for black tide, this just needs to be independence day big. And it needs to have all these things. I was like, I just, I just want to tell, I just want to tell this little intimate story about two mm-hmm. people, you know, figuring out the problems while there's an alien apocalypse happening around them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, while I do appreciate the big popcorn stuff at the end of the day, I'm not Will Smith. That's going to get in a UFO to go to the mothership. Right. Like, like to your story, I'm a man on the beach that lost his keys. And how am I going to figure this out? And you don't know off the top of your head, how to hotwire a car. If you can even do that at that, <laughs> of that year of Subaru or whatever. <laughs> right. Right. Um, no, I, yes, while the grandiose is great, I think it's those little character things where, um, people I think need, can need to identify a little bit with the story and with Black Tide, like, yeah, that's why I knew I was like, I'm going to go to the beach. I need to read it down there because I've had those thoughts where, oh, what, what happens, you know, I'm you know, you're away from home, you know, it's a beach town, like, what if this beach town was full of, I don't know, like, inbred, you know, hicks that want to, or something, like, your mind goes there and tries to create all these horrors. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's um, what you know, that's what you know, you're, you're, you're doing it right, because you're never really out of that writing mode. You're always like, okay, look at the world, and then just seeing how, you know, you can splash paint on it in a certain way. Yeah, I like that. Um, is there any desire for you to dwell back into, because I won't tell how the story ends, but I feel there could be like black tide colon something. Uh, I, I have, I've had several people ask me, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I have considered it. I think it would be interesting to know what this world looked like down the road. Mm. Um, you know, sticking with the theme of the, of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what happens to not, not just like what happens to Mike and Beth once they get, you know, off this beach, if they get off this beach, um, mm-hmm. what they find out there, but like what happened to everybody else? What's it look like 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. And, and I thought if I went back to it, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just zip forward in time, find a completely new story to tell in, in the distant aftermath of, of everything that's happened. Mm-hmm. no that's that's perfect because i when i finished it you know it's uh i was like there, there's more right <laughs> <laughs> i know i do get that a lot that was it was kind of a mean ending i will i will give i'll give everybody that you're right was, no 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 there's more in the sense like i need more this is great <laughs> okay i'll take that i'm I'm happy with that then <laughs> no 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 like i i would never say anything disparaging but i'm like it was engrossing to the point where just like there needs to be like black tide but now it's it's good it's like black tide colon 10 years later something like that you know if they can make 28 weeks 28 months 28 years later i think uh black tide deserves uh like another another entry um because again, the the story, um, even though it's it's set in, I, I I'm sorry, I always come back to zombie genres or, or movies, but like Night of the Living Dead, it's told in one place, mm-hmm. the farmhouse. But in that night, it you know it, it it's everything happens, 
And even though Black Tide is told in this one location, even down to like this one car at certain points, you're just like, no, like you hear it's it you're because of how you how you wrote it your mind's like what does the rest of the world look like or maybe it's just a beach or and it's just so it it sparks imagination so i have to thank you for that oh wonderful i'm i'm i guess i i I repeat myself but i'm i'm just glad to hear this you know it's why we do this of course yeah um but i you know took about you know 40 minutes of your time like where can we find you on social media uh where can we find black tide you said you're working on another thing do you want to just shout out some things before we wrap up here well i i have all the regular social medias um twitter i refuse to call it by its other name uh instagram (laughs) facebook it's at pnw scribe um across them all i also Mm -hmm. have a website that i'm pitifully behind on updating which is uh I don't even know what it is. Is it oh caseyjonespnw.com? Mm-hmm. Um, I will be in Richmond, Virginia next weekend. So mm-hmm. that's the first weekend in November at a Barnes and Noble. Uh, they're doing something called Halloween Hangover Part Two. They did a Halloween Ooh. Hangover One last year. It's just a huge gathering of horror authors doing panels and signings. Really excited about that. They've got a lot of cool people showing up. I'm going to be there as a fan as much as anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for what it's worth, uh, there is an audiobook of Black Tide. Um, the two actors did incredible jobs, and it is on sale right now on Audible until the 29th, and I would get in trouble if I didn't mention this everywhere. So, <laughs> so there's that. Cool. And then, yeah, I don't want to say too much about the next book. I really want to have that announcement moment, but I mm-hmm. will say it is my version of the haunted house uh, story. Oh, we've all got to have one, and this yeah. one's going to be mine. No, I'm looking forward to to reading it. Um, what you know, and and looking forward to the announcement. But, um, Mr. Jones, just thank you so much for your time. Uh, Black Tide's the book. Uh, I cannot give it enough. Uh, kudos and accolades um read it at the beach you know or not but um just just give it a read it's 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 a fun ride it now knowing all these different layers i need to revisit it myself thank you so much for having me thank you sir hey y'all normally michael takes care of the outro during our normal episodes but since we had a guest this time i find it kind of rude if i have them sit there while we sputter off our social media info and website details, so I'll do it right here. You can find us on Instagram at Kicks and Comics, Facebook as well, Kicks and Comics. You can also drop us a line at atxkicksandcomics at gmail.com. Um, our website info is in our social media bio. Uh, stay tuned, stay locked to us, and thank you once again. Good night. <laughs>